How's it going, guys? Welcome back to Clocks on the Stove, Wednesday, December 23rd. You got your usual host, myself, Grayson Fisher, co-host, Roland Big Meech Forrester. What up? And then, uh, I guess we're really excited to bring on DJ Bianame. Uh, he's the he works for the New York Daily News and he's a, the beat writer for the New York Jets. DJ, thanks for coming on today, man. We really appreciate it. I appreciate y'all having me on, man. How y'all guys doing today? Doing amazing, man. Yeah. Doing amazing. Yeah, doing well. The Jets so- season, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah it's 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 a it's a rough it's a rough life being a Jets fan. Um, but you know, I think we got some promise. I just heard that Brandon Eccles just got named Rookie of the Week. That, yep. That's that's true. Yeah, so that's pretty big news. He had a pretty big game against Miami. I love to hate on the Dolphins. I know. Aren't you a Dolphins fan? Yeah, that I am. That I am. Yeah. I See, I didn't hate the Dolphins until I moved to South Florida and I went to a Dolphins game. Uh, I remember I was sitting in the end zone and uh, a snap went over Sam Donald's head for a safety. And I was in the Dolphins season ticket holder section. And that was the moment that I hated <laughs> I just started despising Dolphins fans. So sorry guys. Uh, but it's always a good rivalry, Miami and the Jets, even though we both have our struggles. But uh yeah, really, yeah I'll get right into some questions. Like right. Yeah, before we dive a little deeper, just so everyone understands the background. So uh, like we said, DJ works for the New York Daily News, uh, covers the Jets. You were a division one track athlete at the University of Louisville and then went on to study journalism at Columbia and uh, mm-hmm. from South Florida. So well, one thing I was talking to Roland about before we started was like, how, how did you get involved with the Jets being a South Florida boy? Like, I know you went to Columbia and all, but like, did you have a preference or you were kind of just waiting on whatever door opened up for you? Um, yeah, I mean, after I graduated from Columbia, it was just basically like waiting on an opportunity. I mean, I was covering high school sports in uh, Northern Florida, St. Augustine, Florida, like an hour south of Jacksonville. And then like, I was just reporting, doing my thing for a couple of months and I broke some. I broke a really big story um, regarding Black Lives Matter in the area, and then after that, um, there was somebody that had an opening at the New York Daily News. So, you know, they they interviewed me, and I basically, you know, sold them on how I would approach the beat, and that was something that they were looking for. And you know, I got the job. I mean, to be honest, I didn't expect to be at this point, this quote unquote early into my career. I've only been out of grad school since like May 2020. I didn't expect to be at this point, but you know, it's kind of how life works. You feel me? So here I am now. Um, I didn't really, the only team I would never want to cover is the Dolphins, but everybody else. You know, <laughs> is there a reason for that? I mean, when, aren't you a Dolphins fan? Yeah. You know, I don't, you don't want to be a, a fan of the team that you have to objectively cover. There's nothing fun about that. Being a fan is fun. Like the ups and downs of like mm-hmm. all the emotions, the roller coaster. you know what I'm saying? Like there's, some entertainment within that, even if it can be a little miserable at times, like when they were one and seven, like it was terrible, um, you know, just reading up on the stuff. But, you know, now they've won six games in a row. And, you know, that roller coaster is what kind of makes it fun. And having to objectively cover that wouldn't be fun for me. So, yeah, that would be a conflict of interest. There's some exactly. journalism schooling right there. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I didn't go to Columbia, but. FAU, we got a good program down there for journalism, so that's cool. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I guess I'll, I got some questions about this week's game. I wanted to pick your brain. 
pretty big game. Bo's already made the commercial. I don't know if you saw Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence where Zach's throwing on the Bo's headphones and he's like, yeah, I can't wait to play against Trevor Lawrence. So it's kind of like a hyped up game, but it's also a toilet bowl. And it kind of <laughs> can have some implications for the future because Detroit just stunned the Cardinals. And if they win another game and the Jets lose out, they have a chance at the number one pick. So I saw on Twitter, there's a lot of fans that are like, want to root against the Jets. I've never been for that personally. I don't see how, like, I'd rather them demolish the Jaguars and get the third pick rather than get the first pick any day of the week. You know what I mean? But, like, I see the debate to that. What do you think about that? What's your... So, like, it makes sense from a front office standpoint. Like, like if you're thinking like a front office guy, like, you want to get a higher pick because you can get a better player, get a blue chip guy. But in reality, like, everybody wants to win for the Jets. Like, the players want to win. The coaches want to win. The front office wants to win. Like, yeah, you know, you get a number one pick. You can get a guy like uh, Aiden Hutchinson or Kayvon Thibodeau. But, again, like, if you end up with a number one pick – that means you have a lot of issues on your team, like a lot of issues. You'd rather win some games and help continue to, quote, unquote, you know, cliches, build, build that culture and continue to lay down that foundation and learn how to win in December because, it, I mean, to be honest, like the NFL, like the first few weeks of the season, they matter, but they don't matter, right? It's all about who's playing well late uh, down the stretch in the season. And, like, next year, the Jets expect to contend for the playoffs. So this experience of being able to play December football is paramount towards building that morale and that chemistry and that, um, you know, leadership and teaching everybody how to play and perform late down the season. So, I mean, I, I understand both sides. Obviously I, I put the poll out and, you know, I, I got like 65% of fans want to win the 35, you know, want to pick, but overall though, I, you know, I, I stand with people like you who who want to win because at the end of the day, you know, losing doesn't like the day. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I mean, it is. It's kind of a meaningless game, but I mean, it's also another opportunity, like you said, for Zach Wilson to go out there and do his thing. Um, awesome. I actually went. I'm sorry, my bad. Uh, I actually went to uh, the Tennessee game where he lit it up. And that was pretty cool to see in person. But, um, you know, he's kind of had a, a rocky season. But so is every rookie quarterback. And he arguably has had the best season out of any rookie quarterback in the league. You can Mac argue Jones. that. Mac Jones. Oh, well, okay. He's an exception. I don't I don't talk about the right. Patriots. But, uh, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Besides Mac Jones and the, the Belichick robot system over there, uh, I, I think with the cards that Wilson's dealt, uh, he hasn't done too poorly. What is, what's your like overall evaluation of this rookie year so far? I think, you know, he's played a lot like a rookie overall. Um, you know, the ups and downs, you know, we've, we've become so enamored with the Joe Burrows and the Justin Herberts of the world and Baker his first year and Kyler his first year that we kind of forget the overarching development that comes with quarterbacks. So I think he's played a lot like a rookie. Um, you know, it's just right now it's that balance of, you know, not obviously you can't expect Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert and Baker his first year and like Dak and the of the worlds. But you know, like there there is some middle ground where it's like you you do want Zach to play better in a sense of like what he's producing right now is isn't 
comforting for most Jet fans, you know, because like, you know, I just wrote an article about where he's improved and I really had to like dive really, really deep to find the improvements. But there, there's, there have been improvements since he's come back from his injury. And at the end of the day, you want to see that improvement, you know? So, you know, there's that, that balance of he's a rookie, but, you know, you do still want him to play better, but you don't want him to play like, you don't have to expect him to play like a Joe Her- uh, Barrow or Justin Herbert and things like that. So it's kind of um, room in between. So, you know, we're just trying to see Zach continue to develop to get more to that middle ground, you know? Cause I mean, to, you know, to start out, it wasn't great, obviously, but yeah. overall though, he's played like a typical rookie. Yeah, so I like, I agree. I like what, what you said with that, and I kind of want to combine that with what you were saying earlier about the morale aspect versus the pick. I feel like when it comes to a team, and obviously I'm not a Jets fan, nor do I cover the Jets like you guys, but from an outsider point of view, when you're looking at the Jets, I feel like they're a team right now where that number one pick I don't think is as important to them winning two to three more games this season, or the two games they have left, excuse me. Um, I think that's going to do better for them. Then I, I think it's better for the Jets to drop a couple of draft picks, maybe two or three, and mm. but finish the season strong than vice versa because I feel like that's going to give more a morale booster. You're talking about uh, what's his name, Wilson, playing like a rookie. You know, you see it a lot in, in the high school and college level of freshmen coming in. You The psychological aspect is there. Right. You know, Wilson has the tools. He has the right. cannon. Right. You know, we saw it at BYU when he was more comfortable – and I think right. that winning these games and getting that morale, yeah, you might not get your Thibodeau or you might not get your Aiden Hutchinson or, or one of those guys. You're still going to get a super quality guy at a three to five pick. Right. Let's be honest. It's a three to five pick in the first round. It's going to be right. a quality and, guy. And at the same time, the, your morale of your young quarterbacks can be better and the team morale is going to be better. And I think that's more beneficial for this team currently than a higher draft pick. And that, that's just my opinion. I agree with yeah, that. Yeah, and, and the Jets, uh, they also have Seattle's pick for Jamal Adams and – Mm. that's a that's a whole different story that that's that's pretty crazy how that worked out uh I agree. like on twitter a lot of jets fans like they hate on jamal adams he was probably one of my favorite jets uh you know i don't agree with the way he like he got out of there but he was he was a great player i love to watch him play it's kind of sad to see uh what's going on with him in seattle how he's not playing up to par he gets roasted a lot but uh yeah so I don't know where that pick's going to fall. That has a lot of fluctuation. So there's still a lot of, you know, mysteries, even with two weeks left in the season. So it's still, even at, what, three and ten, it's still an exciting journey to be a Jets fan, to say the least. And, and to add on to you guys' point about the morale thing, right? Like, you know, if they drop a couple of draft spots um, and they don't get, you know, Aiden Hutch or Kayvon Thibodeau, or AE, and if you reverse it and say like they do end up getting one of those guys, at the end of the day, for the Jets to pop and become like a legitimate playoff contender, it's gonna still come down to Zach playing well. So if he wins, you know, if he starts to show some legitimate signs of progress, he can carry that momentum into the offseason. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that matters um, a lot more than, you know, them being able to get a cable on Thibodeau or Aiden Hutchinson, which those guys would truly make a legitimate difference on the defense. But as you said, Grayson, you mentioned the fact that you can still be able to get a quality player at number five. And you still have, as, as, as you mentioned, Ronald, you still be able to get a pick. Um, you still be able to get a good player with the Jamal Adams uh, first round pick from Seattle. Mm-hmm. So, you know, 
you guys are all on the money when you when you when you discuss all those things. Yeah, and like you're saying too, like also think about it from like so we're thinking about it at, from the perspective of of the Jets, right? Think about it as the perspective of the draft pick. Would if you're the number one draft pick and you're going there, you're like, dude, they had the opportunity to get five wins this year, but they shit the bed at the end. Oh man, now I have to go into that. Versus, oh yeah, we only got four to five wins this year, but they turned it up at the end, showing that there there's progression there. I'm ready to go play for the Jets. You know, you don't want to get a young kid who his whole life he's thought about winning a Super Bowl, he's thought about you know winning uh, MVP of the league, and then putting him with a team that he thinks that'll never happen. You know, you just, it's just going to cause issues with the team and with the organization and the player rather than a kid that's excited. Like, you know, the Jets are right there. I could be the piece to make them go over. You know, and that's a big thing you hear about with Baker and the Browns. You hear it all the time. Like, yeah, Baker might not be the best, but he look what he did. He brought them out of that hump. And you want you want to build the you want to build the driving way to the hump and then get the kid to get them over there, you know, and that's gonna be a lot easier with the high the high momentum and morale. Agreed. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh but like I like what DJ said, it really does come down to the quarterback play. In the NFL, it's such a quarterback driven league as opposed to any other level of football. Uh it's it's really you look at any good team, most likely they have a solid quarterback or at least serviceable. Any like name one quarterback, probably Rex Grossman is the worst quarterback to ever win a Super Bowl. Uh, right. or to be be in a Super Bowl rather. So um yeah, it really does come down to how Wilson develops. And you know, I think they have the tools with the rookies around them. We'll see. I'm I'm excited for next season. Do you think they can make the jump to the playoffs next year, BJ? Absolutely. Or you think it's too soon? Yeah, Absolutely. I think so. Yeah, I mean, think about it. Um, the Cardinals were on the cusp of going to the playoffs last year. I think they started at like four and twelve. They went like five and eleven or four and twelve or something like that. And they were in the, on the cusp last game when you're in Dolphins nineteen to twenty, nineteen five and eleven, twenty. They were one game in, one game out when and you're in. They lost the last game, but like, you know, like the Bengals were. I think they picked in the top five. And now they're continuing to win the, to win what the 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 AFC North. So of course, like, and yeah. you you could turn things around fast. You could turn things around fast. Yeah, I agree. Easier to, to flip a program in the NFL than it is in college. Way okay. way easier. Quick yeah, because. Hey, sorry guys. So uh, as you guys know, DJ covers New York Jets and Zach Wilson just went live, so he had to step out for a second. But we're back. Um, I have a, actually have a question for both of you being a Jets fan and, and Jet coverage. Uh, what, what did you think about it from the fan point of view? And if you were covering it right now, DJ, of when the Mark Sanchez butt fumble happened. Um, you, want, you want me to go first? Cause yeah, I remember yeah, where exactly. So I remember exactly when this play happened. I was watching this game, and the Jets were good. This was like Rex Ryan when they were, like, winning and going to the AFC Championship, like the glory years of being a Jets fan. And so this is a big game against the Patriots. I think the winner would have been first place in the AFC East, like, late in November, I think it was. And, uh, dude, the Patriots just got out to a quick lead, like 32 nothing, like, in the second quarter. I'm still watching the game on my little TV in my bedroom with the DVD slot that you could press the button and you put the DVD in about like eight inches big. And my jaw is just dropped. I'm like 13 years old. I'm like, what is going on? Next thing I know, Mark Sanchez just runs into, into DeBrickishoff Ferguson, I believe. 
I think that's who he ran into. No, no, he ran into the left guard. But anyway, uh, that's when I turned the TV off. DJ, to you. <laughs> I think, I think the, the way I would have covered it for sure would have been um, like kind of putting like the cherry on top just for like a disappointment. Like, like I guess, no, I won't say disappointing, but like, I probably would have made it like a cider and just would have wrote about that mm-hmm. and just would have had some fun with it. Come up, obviously that's not the reason why they were losing or that's not the reason why like it turned to a blowout, but for sure the written about it in the sense of like, they just couldn't get out their own way, you know? So. Because mm-hmm. when I think of Jets football, that's probably one of the first things I think about to be honest. Because oh. I remember I was watching ESPN like a, about a, like a year ago after it happened and it was like, uh, it won worst play of the week for 52 weeks straight. So they had to retire it as the worst play ever because it kept <laughs> winning worst play. 52. Dude, and now, and now Mark Sanchez, he's a broadcaster himself. He's not a half yeah. bad. I think he covered the Jets game last week. Yeah, no, no. He's, another he's, game you, know, you see that in guys. Some guys are like, you see with coaching, some guys weren't that good as that player, but they're a better coach, vice versa. You see with analysts as well. Uh, DJ, I have one really good question I want to ask you. I asked Roland this uh, a couple weeks ago on the last pod. So let's say that uh, somehow it's a hypothetical, obviously. Let's say somehow you win the lotto, right? And you buy the you buy the Jets franchise. What what would be your game plan and what would you do as the owner to make them a very consistently top level team in a five to six year period? Like what would be the chess chess moves you'd make? Um, I'll try to get Zach some weapons. Um and obviously continue to build the trenches. So yeah, so build the trenches, O-line, D-line, try to get Zach some weapons. And obviously, you know, Saul can still stay there, but like, I would just give Zach one more year to figure it out. And if he doesn't show that those signs, I'll try to go get like a star quarterback. I'm trying to build a contender, you feel me? So yeah. that's basically what I would do. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, about- I think so too. It's, it's rough to play in New York, like, I think if Wilson doesn't play well next year, he's going to get the boot just like Darnold. And, like, Jets fans had a soft spot for Darnold. I know I was one of them. And it's not really the same feeling with Zach Wilson. Like, we're kind of over it. Like, it's either play or get out, you know, like play well or get out. So I think he could be one and done next year, too. That's a possibility for sure. So two and done. You think it's, it's Zach Wilson himself or do you think it's the system? So, like, like one thing Roland always says is he thinks that if Trevor Lawrence and and Zach Wilson swapped positions, Trevor Lawrence would do much better than what Zach Wilson was doing right now with the Jets. Do you think it's himself, or do you think it's just the system he's in? Yeah, I, th- I think Trevor would do better in this system only because, like, he was more pro-ready. Um, he played against better competition. Um, I think he's more physically gifted. Granted, obviously, Zach still has an elite – he has elite arm talent, but I think – um, Zach has a better overall system and situation around him from coaching to players to O-line. Um, so I think that both of them, they both have bad defenses, but overall though, um, I think Trevor would have been a little bit better. How much better? Not too sure, but I do think like Trevor would have did better in, in, in this offense because like Michael and over, I think it's De- Darren Devin Bevel, uh, the uh, Jags offensive coordinator. So yeah, I kind of agree. Yeah, yeah, they uh, they 
sent LaFleur up to the booth. He was on the field, I think, calling plays, and they sent him up to the booth, and then the Jets, like, offense magically started scoring points. So it was, like, all hail LaFleur in the booth. And so I don't think – I think the coaching is is decent around Zach Wilson. You know, he has all the opportunity in the world. It's just can everything mold together. And it usually doesn't work out for the New York Jets, but, you know, you got to stay optimistic. It could, it could work back. I, I think there's a chance it could work out. No, for sure. Oh, yeah. I, I think so too. Yeah. People and like like I love what you said when you when you talked about like the Trevor Lawrence's and the Joe Burrows, or not even Trevor Lawrence, excuse me, the Joe Burrows and Justin Herberts. People forget that like it's this is a kid that just went to the NFL. Like this jump he's taking is is enormous. It's not like an everyday, it's mm-hmm. a much easier transition from high school to college than it is from college to the NFL. You know, you're playing against the absolute every single game, even if you're playing the 0 and 16 Lions or whatever, they are the best in the world at what they do. You know, right. and, and sometimes it takes a little bit of time to transition. And I feel like we live in in a society, like a, a sports society is like what I'm trying to say, where if, if it's not right now, we don't we got to just move on and get a new guy. Like instead of you don't you don't see teams as patient to develop nowadays. And you right. see it especially, right. especially in the college level. But even this this talk about Zach Wilson, like Jets fans already wanting to boot him and like stuff like that. He's a rookie, dude. Like he, he literally is like, what, 22 years old, 23 years old. Like it's going to take a little bit of time. He, it's exactly. not like he got put on the best team and it's just going to start hooping. Like it t- he has to develop. And that's something that I, I really like that you said as well. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, one thing I thought about today is – like, you know, in the English soccer leagues, they have like a tier system of professional rankings. And if you're like the bottom three in the league, you get relegated and there's like 10 leagues. So like if you're in league 10 and you win 10 years in a row, you can make it up to the Premier League and play against Manchester United. I wonder where the Jets would be if that was the system in America. How many times they would get relegated? They'd be at like division six football, like, um, yeah, I don't know. I thought about that today, so that's pretty cool. I I think that dynamic of how European and American sports works is is pretty interesting. But uh, no, how although, like we re- how how we reward failure. Sorry, uh, take it away. So although you like like you cover the Jets and you're a Dolphins fan, you're obviously a big football fan in general, you know. So, um, as someone that's like followed and been especially like like us, like you know the sports journalism side of of journalism. What is one thing that you're starting to see that you think that we're seeing now with players going in from college to the NFL that makes it the transition easier now? Like what's something that they're doing now that's making them do better or, or transition better versus, you know, maybe 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Um, a lot of offenses, they run a lot more um, college. I mean, a lot of office, NFL offenses, they use some, a lot more college schemes to help quarterbacks out. Like the Dolphins right now, like they run a lot of RPO. Like they lead the league in like RPO plays um, on a with to a ton of Aloha. And that's one of his strengths. And that's that's basically a college, um, you know, a college play. Um, you know, obviously the Kansas City Chiefs use it too. The Eagles use it too. Um, they just try to use it a little bit against the Dolphins to combat some of their blitzes. But um, yeah, no, the, you know, RPOs, that's an example. But I think that's what makes it a little bit easier is that teams are using some of the college um, college plays that they that these kids were using in college to help speed up their development. Yeah, I think the science uh, aspect to it too, and I feel like that's something that's very underlooked because it's become such a normality. Like it's normal for everyone to go lift weights, it's normal for everyone to have a personal trainer, but like 
if you think about it, like realistically, what my, my parents, they're in their fifties when they were my age, people weren't working out. You never, trainers didn't exist. Like that wasn't a thing, you know? And now you're having kids that from a young age are learning how to properly lift. They're learning how to properly put nutrients into their body. They're learning how to properly gain the proper muscle. Like everything they do now is a science, you know, recovery, you know, back in the day, like my, my dad wasn't able to achieve the dreams he wanted to in baseball because his knees were blown out because they would do so many hard practices to strengthen right. your knees where back in the day, it's like, Oh, you're just getting tougher. But in reality, you're, you're weakening your muscle, you right. know? And, and now you're learning that. And I feel like that's a huge thing as well as you're able to measure everything. You know, you see athletes with the breathing measurements, you see with the, 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 the chambers and with the ISO cold stuff, you know? So like, I feel like the science of it too is definitely, is something that's definitely played a big role in, in the tra easier transition for co college guys into the NFL. Agreed. But why is it every old like white grandpa is like, oh, back in the day, like if I didn't blow my knee out, I could have gone pro. <laughs> like my grandfather like said he was signed with the Baltimore Orioles in like 1955 and like couldn't afford to live there on a contract. Like I'm like, bro, come on, dude, you didn't play for the Orioles. Uh, so that's funny. Now, what about on the Dolphins? Yeah. And how do you think uh, everything's going with them as a, as a fan now, not as a not as a someone that writes about them? Um, I mean, it's just, it's so perplexing for me because it's like, you know, obviously they started one and seven. Now they're seven and seven. They're gonna play the Saints without Ian Book, so they should win that game. I mean, they're gonna play the Saints who start Ian Book because. COVID took out Trevor Simeon and Oh, really? Yeah. So they might be eight and seven with a chance to, they could beat Tennessee, make the last game of the year, a possible winning in the situation, just like last year. But I mean, overall though, I, you know, I've been impressed with how the defense has flipped from the struggles early in the year to now where like, now they just, they can really uh, overwhelm quarterbacks. You know, I started with Lamar Jackson and it's kind of continued throughout. But, um, you know, offensively, they do run more of an efficient dink and duck uh, type of offense where they're trying to, you know, um, this, this one sports reporter calls it a tic-tac-toe offense, but they're just trying to be efficient and, you know, pick up first downs and executing key situations and try to hit big plays when it's there. Um, you know, obviously last week they were able to overcome pretty below average performance from Tua with a very strong running game. But I mean, overall, you know, I've been I've been content. Let's go to word content with what I've seen from them. You know, commanding it's all about wins and losses, and they won six in a row. So I gotta give credit. So I think if Tua doesn't get hurt, the season's a lot different. They're probably like in like legitimately in the thick of things. Um, wild card ride or wise instead of outside in. I think they'll probably be like at the worst, like eight and six. Um, because I don't think they lose four games in the four games that he was out, the Buffalo game, the Raiders game, the Colts game, and the Bucks. I don't think they lose all of them in a row. I think they do lose the majority of them, but I don't think they lose all of them. Um, I think they probably could have won the Raiders game and probably win the Colts game because the Colts were only three at the time. Um, but yeah, you know, I do think that that Falcons game and that um Jags game is going to bite them in the butt, though, at the end. So, you know, but overall, though, I've been content with their progress um, that they've made this year. Yeah, I think the Dolphins, you know, to start the year, they were like a playoff 
a team that was, you know, likely to make the playoffs or at least be in contention. They might have been even favorites uh, to win yeah. the East b- behind yeah. the Bills. Um, yeah. So uh, when they started the season, like what, one and seven did they start? One and yeah, six? One and seven. One and seven. I know my, my good friend Tucker, who's like a diehard Dolphins fan, he was just all doom and gloom. And uh, so it's like crazy to see how they've turned it around and won six in a row. So. I mean, I'm not happy about it, but, uh, you know, I, 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 it is what it is, you know? Yeah, and, and like like you said, the first time I really uh, saw the defense as well was that, that Baltimore game, you know, because they just – dude, it was like Lamar didn't know what, what to do. It was like, you know, usually he gets in a situation, his feet get him out, or he'll use his feet to set up his arm. Like, he couldn't do anything, bro. Like, it was like – it was it was one of the few times I could truthfully say I watched Lamar Jackson just like not know what to do, you know. So that's definitely got to be a good sign, especially if you're a Dolphins fan. You're you're muted still. Oh, who, who's your team? Uh, so I'm a Tampa Bay boy, born and raised. Okay, so yeah, um, I would. Hey, so before I hear anybody say any bandwagon stuff, all right, we had 16 years of nothing before we got this. Okay, so it, it's been a long ride. It's been a very long ride. No, see, I respect that. I respect that. I, Tampa Tom, I, I, I still, uh, the, I can't, words can't describe my hatred for Tom Brady even still to this day. I wonder how many times he's beaten the Jets, maybe 40. No, uh, no he hasn't beaten that much, though, is the Saints, bro. <laughs> they have him figured out, dude. They really do. Yeah, but. It's not like he played them twice a year like he did whoop on them every time. Uh, he does play them twice a year. But, yeah, I think – He plays the Saints twice a year. Well, now he does. I'm yeah. Like, I know. I know. Yeah, no. But is he is he 44 or is he turning 44? He's 44 right now. Yeah. Holy – How I long do you think he plays he has for? one more year on his contract, right? He signed a three-year – Yep. Yeah, he's got one more year too. That's crazy, dude. That's crazy. Forty-four, dude, because he drinks like raw duck egg milk and like he's got his own Gatorade on the sidelines. Like he's yeah. got his own electrolyte drink. Like oh, yeah. the dude's a super health freak. Now going uh, back to uh, back to the journalism aspect, DJ. What when were so obviously you went uh, and ran track at Louisville. Did you know before that too, like you wanted to go this route with the sports journalism? Like when did that start yeah. being a thought in your head? Yeah, I, I knew I wanted to go to sports journalism. I was like 14 years old, but I thought it would be more like a broadcaster. But uh, after I graduated college, you know, University of Louisville, I started working. Um, I was working at iHeartRadio, you know, and I was talking a little bit of Louisville athletics and I wrote a little bit, um, and, you know, I wrote a little bit um, for this website. So I was doing a little bit of blogging stuff. So I wrote a couple of features. The features weren't any good, but well, I compared them now. But um, you know, I, I I was you know doing what I had to do. Um, I just knew that writing would, would be the best lane for me. It's not the best lane for everybody, and everybody likes to write. But I knew writing was the best lane for me. Most specifically, what the, the one challenge I do like is the responsibility that comes with being a, a, a writer. You know what I'm saying? Like people. Um, they can pull up your receipts a lot easier. And I, and I like that challenge because it challenges me to make sure that I'm, you know, on point for the most part. You know, obviously you're not going to be 100. You're not going to be perfect. It's virtually impossible to be perfect. But, um, you know, just to make sure that 
you know what the hell you're talking about. Um, you know, so I, I just felt like being a sports writer was the best lane for me, in all honesty. So um, that's the that's the, that's where I wanted to go. I, I, I tried a little bit of radio and I thought about doing being the TV reporter, which is funny because like I want to do want to transition into TV um, as kind of like a sideline reporter or like a yeah like a sideline reporter or even like just a TV reporter overall, similar to like uh, Kimberly Martin or Cameron uh, Wolf or um, people like that, but um, like NFL Network or ESPN or whatever. But overall, though, I knew writing was going to be my ticket to be able to get to those things that I now am approaching to do. Yeah, that's that's funny you say that because that's how I am too. I like the writing aspect of uh, journalism. I think there's nothing cooler than you know going out and doing your own investigative reporting and then you know doing like a feature story or a profile on someone like that. And uh, I've written for like like when you got out of school though, was it like a grind? Because like I've done some stuff like where I've written for some publications like in New Mexico that I, in some small county, like I've got some articles out there that I've written for like 50 bucks, you know what I mean? So for a lot of like people that are coming out with journalism degrees, it's kind of like a grind because I don't know, some people argue that, you know, journalism school is like antiquated and, you know, they it's, it's so different with the internet and everything. What's your take on all of that? Yeah, I mean, you know, you you can get in either way, um, but it all comes down to experience. So whichever way you can get your experience. So yeah, it is a grind. I mean, this should be, this should be days where, because I mean, obviously, you know, you say you're making like fifty dollars per like, article for like a New New Mexico paper or whatever, and I was, um, I was, what was I doing? When I was doing my blog stuff, I was making like fifteen per article, and like I had to. So like I didn't end up having to get like a regular job too, along with still doing some on-air stuff because on-air stuff was was for free basically. But yeah, some days I would like go my actual job like on a Saturday from like eight to twelve, and then go cover a game after you know where whoever Louisville was playing because they play like around twelve, cover that, and after that you know do a little bit of lift to um, make some extra coins or whatnot. So it does it, it can be a grind. Um, but a lot of it just comes out to experience. The more experience you have, the quicker you can shorten um, that quote unquote grind where you feel like there's no hope in a weird way. So like if, it, say, all right, say like a kid just graduated high school, right? Like he's going to school, he's not gonna be an athlete or anything, but he wants to take the route that you took, you know, cause it, in an aspect or like, in a, in a sense, you're working a lot of kids dreams jobs, you know, you're covering an NFL team and, writing for a prestigious company like the uh, New York Daily News what what would your advice be to that kid like what what would you tell him like on his journey to possibly get to where you're at or maybe a little bit lower a little bit higher like what would you recommend and what would you say to avoid like if you just had to sit down with like even like an 18 year old version of yourself like what would you tell yourself like what, what would yeah. be the path you guide yourself on so I would say you know whenever you so my message is a little bit different because you know I went to before I got to Louisville I was at a few junior colleges playing football um so I think what I would have told myself after I was done with JUCO is I would have told myself to go to Ohio State, um, try to take the summer class and go to Ohio State instead of Louisville because they had a journalism program. So what I would say to 18 year old is like, go to a school that has a journalism, a good, you know, just journalism program that also has a way for you to write for the school paper 
or they can set you up with some internships to build the experience. A lot of this shit just comes down to experience. Like mm-hmm. that's what a lot of it comes down to. Because people aren't gonna hire you if they don't see, for the most part, they don't see that you've been able to do the, the stuff. Because like I won't say that the job is easy. I won't say that, but it's very doable. So you just gotta make sure that if that if you know you hired, they're gonna want to hire people that can make sure they do the little things and ha- you know can handle the, the the work or whatnot. But yeah, I would say, you know, go to school that has a good journalism program and uh, write the school paper or write for a blog. Just get those clips. Um, and even if you do write for a blog, make sure that you can write some human interest stories and actually story tell, not just write about like, oh well this team lost or this team won or whatnot. Like the way to elevate is to be able to show people that you're capable of storytelling at a very high level. Um, That's what helped me get my job because beyond just a Black Lives Matter story that I wrote about, I wrote about some other human interest stories regarding a girl that lost her ground, that she moved to Florida from New York because her grandma passed and you know, she was playing basketball. She moved because her grandma was was, was, uh, dying or whatnot, but she passed, I wrote about that. Wrote about this one athlete that um, his name is Daquan Stanley. He um, just wrote about his his upbringing. How it was kind of you know he went through some adversity. Be, being able to write about that versus just being able to write about you know because anybody can write. Okay, this team won. Here's why. Boom. Okay, that that's pretty easy. It's right being able to write you know the investigative stories or being able to write the, the feature stories, and you can get that whether you're blogging or working at a school paper, you just gotta be able to make sure that you check those boxes. Cause those are the boxes that you're gonna show employers how, you know, go show employers that you wanna work for that you can do the job. Cause that's what they're looking for. Yeah, so that's actually uh, funny, like that you said the experience aspect and like getting it. That's actually why we started this podcast was uh, I met with some, some pretty high up working guys in like ESPN and CBS sports due to my dad teaching their their children and they all said they were like start like they didn't really like guide me in the podcast aspect but they were like start like getting a video of you talking about sports every single day like that what that's going to do is you might not have the highest gpa or like the best degree coming out of fau or like university and ivy league but like when i do my interview or i do anything i could pull these up and i can show them like i have experience working with a time segment i have experience working in front of uh, a camera and stuff so we kind of started uh, me and roland kind of started this more for like a resume portfolio and then it just started taking off and we started loving it so now it's kind of a it's it's a two for one you know like we're, we're able to use it for the benefits of, of a business but we're also able to just have fun and interact with guys that like sports like you and and even some like pretty good athletes as well you know yeah man like that experience stuff goes a lot further than a degree I ever could like way I think so too because years. I've I did actually this one uh, feature piece, I think I wrote, I, it was uh, Hurricane Maria in Puerto Rico and I was in uh, on spring break in Puerto Rico. And I, I could speak Spanish because I took Spanish in college, but now I can't really speak it anymore. So I would interview all these locals and it was like so cool, but I did it like during spring break. And uh, what's the point I'm trying to make here? I don't even know, I'm going off on a tangent. Yeah, yeah, the experience thing, but like you got to put as a journalist, you have to put yourself out there into you know some uncomfortable situations, and it's I I think that it's something that not everyone can do just to like talk to a random person. It's 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 hard for some people, easy for others. So 
we and you also know? like like when it goes like your job or like what we're trying to do is like eventually work with professional athletes or like high college level you know it's it, for one of them to want to talk to someone they'd way rather talk to someone that's more down to earth and has been talking to people for years rather than some kid that graduated with a super good degree but you can't have a conversation you know and i feel like that's in our field of work it's one of those few field of work where comfortability and experience sometimes outweigh the degree itself although the degree still benefits absolutely i think uh being personable is the most important aspect Um, because then we tell these these bigger stories these people will be more willing to open up you know, and, and and tell you certain things going on that got to help you get them to that point. Um, so being personable, relatable, like when I was coming to high school, like I used to go to high school practices, like track practices and just hang out with the kids and just chop it up with them, you know, and just chop it up with the coaches and go to track meets and just hang out with them. You know what I'm saying? Like not on some like stalker or big brother or just, just, just being like a human. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we can, you know, you want to avoid being robotic and overall that's the probably the, the biggest trait you can have everything else is developed you can develop everything else you can develop you can develop become a better writer a better interviewer you can become a better guy on on camera all those things are easy to, easier to develop than somebody that can't be personable like at all like at all like i remember when i was my, my high school trainer his name is nick hicks he um he now trains nfl guys so I still like, you know, swing by his workout sessions and whatnot, not to work out, but just to hang out and watch people work out and things like that. And just try to pick players' brains. And Rashad Perriman, former Jet, was there. And I remember the first time that I came across him, um, I was just chilling. Like, hey, you know, I wasn't like, cause when they, when they working out, I'm out of my business. I'm just watching. And like, he came up to me, he was like, I heard that, you know, you cover the Jets now. This was, this was earlier in the year. Um, he was already done with the Jets. I think he was with the Lions now. And he was like, I was like, yeah, you know, she just, just got the gig. Like, man, that's major, man, you know? And then we were just having a conversation and he was like, that's a trait that's really like good about you that I can already peep is that you and me were just having this regular conversation. It's not awkward. We're just, you know, just shooting the shit. You know, some some guys can't do that. Like it gets really awkward really fast. Mm-hmm. So um, that's probably the best trait, man, is being able to be personable, um, you know, be able to find common ground with, you know, a lot of these athletes, you know, find out things that they like beyond just the sport that they play. You know, these guys like things like, like they like music. Some like, like Ty Johnson, running back for the, the for the Jets. He loves anime. I, I'm not the biggest anime fan, but I love Dragon Ball Z, which is also anime. <laughs> oh, that's only anime I like too. That's, yeah, Dragon Ball Z is the shit, bro. Exactly, exactly. So like we'll we'll talk about that all the time. Like I remember uh, when Zach came off an of injury, I mentioned to him, I, I, I asked him, is Zach coming back like the you know, when Goku was on Planet Namek and was in the, <laughs> the recovery chamber? He was like, I already knew what you were talking about. Yeah, man, it's just, it's just like that. You know, you know the have, hyperbolic time chamber. Yeah, yeah you know? and, and I remember like same with like Carl Lawson. Like, I'm just asking him like you're a big anime fan who's the song is anime guy. He's like, yeah, you know, Goku, but you know, he's like really an anime, like, yeah. like, like he'll critique, like, like he's a critic. Well, of, so is like, um, Jamal Williams for the Lions too. Yeah. He's like super just... anime, like super. Yeah. Anime. Exactly. Yeah. So, so, you know, um, it's, it's things like that. And obviously music or obviously like, 
there's other things that people are into, you know, you could talk food or whatnot. Mm -hmm. So it, it's find interest beyond just the sports. Yeah. So. I think that goes with the robotic stuff you were saying as well as like, you know, you get some people that one reason they don't do so well in the journalism field is because they, they fantasize too much over these players and they forget sometimes like they're people too, you know, and, and one of the coolest things that I've learned, like just even like as, from life, like regardless of the profession, I think from this podcast is like, everyone is so much more similar than you think. Like, yeah, they're such high level athletes and stuff, but they still like, they love eating at Chipotle. They love seeing the new Spider-Man movie. You know, they love kicking it with their family. Like, and that's one thing I love that. I, one thing I, I really gained a respect for when I came into this field of work is like, it's, you really, you're able to enjoy a conversation with people. You're able to realize people are more, they're not like everything you see on TV where it's all publicized. Like everyone's a lot more like each other than we think, you know, and that, and that's something that's cool. Like even sitting down and talking with you today, just having a hour long conversation is awesome. You know, it's something that I forget, like a lot of people are forgetting are, are good things we can do every day. Yeah, man. And that's remember one really cool conversation I had. I was with uh, Jack Gruden at the Bucks game and uh, Colt McCoy just walked out. It was a preseason game and I was like sitting on the bench and uh, Colt McCoy just walked out and he was like, howdy. And like me and Colt McCoy just like chopped it up for 20 minutes. And I was like, did I just really just talk to Colt McCoy? Like it was like kind of crazy, but uh, like, you know, that at that moment, I kind of realized these guys that like we admire in society and pop culture, they're kind of, you know, they're all human too. You know, these sports stars or these celebrities or whatever. So like at that moment, that's when I kind of like that fanboy thing in me kind of like, you know stopped so but yeah i mean that's everything i got uh dj yeah so much for coming on man we're forever grateful that you could you could come on and appreciate you um we'll we'll make sure to tag you on the instagram make sure everyone gets your information so they can start following you and see the amazing work that you do and and thank you again for coming on man i really appreciate it no problem you guys have a great afternoon i'm gonna go right about zach and uh have fun with that, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah man. Happy holidays to you. Happy holidays to all of our listeners. Thank you, guys. And let's go Jets, baby. J-E-T-S. All right. <laughs>